Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. of a good relationship with intentions and goals is keeping in mind that the primary aim of setting and working towards those goals is to feel the way you want to feel. The external things we want to have and do and experience, those are your secondary goals, all of which will get you back to the whole cosmic point, experiencing your core desired feelings.
diamond of it all. Knowing how you actually want to feel is the most potent form of clarity that you can have. And generating those feelings is the most powerfully creative thing that you can do with your life. It is your birthright to have your desires fulfilled. Every desire is a prayer. Desire is the underpinning of manifestation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Daniel Laporte on Monique Rhodes' album. Can you imagine desire is divine? Um, many of us, when we say, that, oh, my gosh, I'm just being craved, you know, like this desire is crazing me, um, we never knew that it was also a divine experience. And the way that I interpreted Daniel's thoughts here in this reflection is that any pure thought that you have is a prayer. Any pure thought that you have is a prayer, and if we're patient, it will manifest. And this is why even when our thoughts might not be so purely intended, unknown to us, and it has a mixture of the attachment and consciousness of I, me, or mine, then we manifest events that we're like, oh, how did this happen to me? How did this come into my life? Um, Just about a week ago, I was in a situation where Um, It's been a sort of a consistent theme, just like in one area of my life. And whenever I go back to the place, to the people, to the scene, for some reason, and as much as I've tried to get that recording of that experience out of my soul, I still find that the soul still feels it. And so I had realized, everyone, that it wasn't just of this lifetime. There's something much deeper going on inside of me, some sort of a belief system that somehow has become so innate or so natural in my nature that even against my wish, I can't seem to move the feeling away. Yet, now, research, science, mystics, healers, so many folks are telling us, don't give up. It's just a matter of a moment in time in which that one last thought will actually begin to shift the vibration of that energy that comes out of us either normally or just abnormally or what have you. Anyway, I really hope you're okay. I really do. It's always my pure wish to see mankind feeling good about each other 
And as I might have mentioned in an interview earlier, that when I had uh, returned from my trip, in which I had these experiences, the day I came back, I got myself together and in, later on in that evening, you know, went to bed and I slept. And for the first time, I dreamt about number 45. You know who number 45 is, right? The resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And in that rest, I actually saw I had a dream. And for the first time, I dreamt about 45. And in the dream, I was wearing my president's pin that I had received during President Obama's um, tenure. And it was for all my years of service. And um, I happened to have been wearing that pin. And a Secret Service agent spotted me and came up to me and asked, would you like to meet the president? And I said, sure, if, if you think it's okay, um, it's fine with me. And so I went up when he was walking up. I was led to him, rather. And then I looked at him with this love in my mind and eyes. And it was a gentle pause. And I looked at President Donald Trump and I said to him, I know it's been really difficult. I know it's been hard. But I do want you to know that God loves you. It was just like that, everyone in the dream. It was just like that. And he looked at me with this sense of feeling like, finally, someone can see through me at a different level. And uh, he asked me to go with him, and then I woke up. And then the next day on NPR, uh, there was an announcement in the news that Franklin Graham, who was Billy Graham's son, was um, initiating June 2nd, which is passed, as a day of prayer for number 45. And I went into reflection and into prayer, and I said, Ah, the soul must be now feeling something. The soul has got to be calling out for something even deeper than what is happening with him, for him, and around him at this time. And so why I'm telling you this story is that I want you to know that every pure thought, desire is divine, and it is a prayer. And so if we continue to serve these pure thoughts and the pure belief systems, in our consciousness, something will evolve. And why I'm talking about this is because I'm so psyched to be welcoming our next guest on America Meditating Radio, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Lipton if you don't know who he is already. And this is just a snippet. I mean, the biography is so long that we just have to tell you what we think is essential just right now. <laughs> so um, Dr. Bruce Lipton is actually a cell biologist, and lecturer, and an internationally recognized leader in bridging science and spirit. Now, Dr. Lipton was on the faculty of the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine, but later performed groundbreaking stem cell research at Stanford University, which revealed the nature of the biochemical pathways by which the mind, which is where we hold a lot of our, you know, the way we interpret things, controls behavior and genetic activities. He's now the best-selling author of The Biology of Belief. The updated 10th anniversary edition is now available, and also The Honeymoon Effect, and he co-authored Spontaneous Evolution. But in addition to that, he was also listed in the top 100 of the world's most spiritually influential living people by the United Kingdom's Watkins Journal. Bruce received in 2009 the prestigious Gold Peace Award in honor of his scientific contribution to world harmony. And today it gives me great pleasure to welcome Dr. Bruce Lipton on air. Hello, Bruce. Welcome. 
Oh, I am so excited to be here with you, and I'm so honored that uh, you give me this opportunity to share some information with uh, this fabulous audience that's out there. Thank you. Did you hear about my dream? I just heard about your dream, yes, <laughs> and uh, it was real interesting because I was contemplating. I'd say, well, we could talk about this because it's it's really interesting that um, there's two levels that we can look at this world situation. One is uh, just looking at it uh, cold, like in the newspaper and reading the articles and all that, but there's a, another level, and it has to do with the fact that uh, we are facing an evolutionary upheaval. And it's really based on something so profound that people are just beginning to talk about it, although I've been lecturing on it for 12 years, mm-hmm. uh, and that is we're facing what is called the sixth mass extinction of life on this planet. Five times in the history of planet life was thriving, and some event precipitated uh, the uh, extinction of anywhere from 70 to 95% of all life. The, the last, uh, the fifth mass extinction, the last one was... 66 million years ago, and that uh, was at a time when uh, the ecosystem was thriving and there were massive dinosaurs all over the place, and a comet mm-hmm. a comet hit uh, near Mexico, upended the ecosystem, and wiped out over 90% of life, including all the dinosaurs. So five times natural events have uh, really precipitated a mass extinction. What is so important and is now just beginning to be talked about a bit more is that we are in the sixth mass extinction, that even since 1970, they did a world survey, how many animals were on the planet, uh, and they just repeated that survey two years ago. Over 63% of the animal life on this planet has disappeared since 1970. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're facing, uh, we are now deep into the numbers of what is called the mass extinction, but what, why I want to bring it up and so important is that the previous mass extinctions due to things like comets or massive volcanoes and earthquake activities, this mass extinction is due to human behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're undermining our own ecosystem and not recognizing we are the ecosystem. So mm-hmm. when it goes, so do we. And then so bringing up um, Donald Trump at this time is a very important thing because there's two ways, again, just as I said, you can look at the world two ways, like in the newspaper, the articles, and, and then it's like, oh, my God, it's so distressing what's going on. And then I say, yeah, yeah but there's another way to see what's yes. going on, a bigger picture yes. than one you mentioned, uh, yes. and that is yes. that we are um, – Donald Trump is playing – one of the most important evolutionary roles at this time. Not that he's totally aware of it, but um, the idea is this. We cannot keep doing what we're doing and sustain life on this planet. We have to change civilization. That's one of the many things that I've loved about the message that you have offered. And in a unique way as you're talking, and I don't know why, Bruce, you know who's emerging in my consciousness right now? Yes, who? Barbara Marks Hubbard. Oh, what a sweet soul, spirit, who is still here with us in the spiritual realm. Yes, yes, yes. Because I know that physically we just lost her a month ago. And, you know, I remember Barbara really wanting us to understand this as well. But you've even taken us to a level in which I think can also be understood very clearly. And something that you said earlier is that the behavior plays a very big part in the ecosystem Could you take that to another level for our audience? Because isn't the consciousness influencing the behavior? And if so, how can you help us to focus more 
at a conscious level so that we can shift the behavior. Well, one of the things that you talked about is the fact that sometimes that our, our behaviors and programs are not really connected to our wishes and our desires, and, and then we feel lost, uh, that, oh, my goodness, things are out of control. So the most important thing to talk about now at this moment is um, understanding the nature that we have been programmed to believe that life uh, is controlled by genes. Most people have that story, and that the significance of that belief system is if I ask, well, did you pick the genes you came with? As far as we know, no. Uh, if you don't like the characteristics, can you change the genes? No. Uh, the story is genes turn on and off by themselves. That puts us in a place of victimization, meaning my life is not really under my control. That's a belief system. However, mm. a new science is not called genetics. It's called epigenetics. It's a revolution that is going to change. It's actually starting uh, to change the world, but the public really needs to understand it. And I say when we say genetic control, that's the conventional belief. That means whatever uh, characteristic is under the control of genes, as we said, we don't control them. They control us we become victims. But the new science sounds almost the same. It's called epigenetic control. And I say, but it's, it's a revolution for the reason is the prefix epi means above. So when I say mm. epi, epigenetic control, I am saying control above the genes. The new science reveals that our consciousness, our mind, is actually controlling our genes. And this is a, a whole revolution because we're the ones that can change our mind and we're the ones that can change our genes, and that gives us power. Now the only unfortunate problem is, as I say, the mind is what's controlling it, and then we emphasize, oh, but there are two subdivisions of the mind that work independently. They're interdependent, actually. They both work. They have different functions, and they learn in different ways, and this has created the biggest problem. And I say, the mind is controlling biology, but I say, yeah, but there's a conscious mind and a mm -hmm. subconscious mind. Subconscious means below consciousness. So here's the point, that the conscious mind is connected to our spirituality, our uniqueness, our individuality is the conscious mind. The subconscious mind is, is sort of like a record playback mechanism, like a CD recorder, old-fashioned tape player. You put a program in it, and then it automatically can play the program without you even thinking about it. A lot of people think the subconscious is evil. I go, no, it, it's a cold machine that just records behavior and then allows us to have a, a program we don't have to redo all the time. Like, example, we learned how to walk before we were two, and I don't care what age you are, it could be 100 years old, you're still walking. And I say, you never had to relearn because mm -hmm. the program, once it was in, becomes a habit. And so I say, well, this is really good. That's a very positive side. But what about if a program is negative? And I say, well, unfortunately, psychologists have told us that the programming that we get, and especially before the last trimester of pregnancy through age seven, is a programmable period for humans. And I say, well, why should we have a program? The answer is very, very simple. It's sort of like if I have a computer and there's an operating system, I can turn on the computer. So I say, it's on. Now I say, okay, mm -hmm. do something with it. And you say, well, I need a program, either a write program, a drawing, a spreadsheet. So the point is this. You can have the computer, but if you don't have a program, it can't do anything. A child, when it's developing, his brain has a computer capacity. But before you can, the child can use that computer, it has to have some programs in it. So nature created the first seven years 
of a child's development, uh, the brain is operating at a, a low vibration. That means when you put wires on a person's head, it's called electroencephalograph. You can read a brain activity. The brain activity of a child is actually operating just below consciousness for seven years. It's in a state called theta. And theta mm -hmm. is characterized as imagination, and that's how a child can ride a broom. But it's not a broom. It's a real horse to the child. Or they can have a tea party, pour nothing in the cup, and then drink nothing and talk about how wonderful the tea was. This is an example of uh, what mm. theta is. But theta is also hypnosis. And I say, why? Because we have to install the programs before you can use the computer. And so seven years is what nature uh, gives us for putting in programs. I say, how are the programs installed? And this is very critical. It's installed because theta is hypnosis. So a child learns behavior and how to be a member of a family and how to be a member of a community by simply observing their parents, their siblings, their community, downloading their behavior as the fundamental programs. So mm -hmm. then I say, by the time a child is seven and consciousness kicks in, we have programs of how to be a member of a family and community, but they're not really ours. They were downloaded from family and community. And then I say, well, the problem science has recognized is about 70% of the programs that are downloaded before age seven are disempowering or self-sabotaging or limiting behaviors, which take away our power. And then you say, okay, well, I'm not going to bother with the subconscious because I'm going to create my life with my conscious mind. Now, that's the one we love because the conscious mind is the creative mind. The subconscious is habit. Conscious is creative. That's the one that you talk about with wishes and desires and what do I want, happiness, love, health, harmony. I go, ah, that's the activity of the conscious mind. I want to step in there because you've said a lot uh, and what was going off for me inside was, you know, does the law of karma play a part even in those first seven years? For example, we still know that the soul of Barbara Marks Hubbard is around or yes. she might have taken rebirth and come back to continue her work, which is what I believe in my teachings of the Brahma Kumaris. But isn't there like a role of karma that actually created the sanskar? which is a Sanskrit word, which basically is those deep-rooted memory tracks in the subconscious. And if so, is there something that you could share about what will shift the karma if you believe the karma was really responsible for the shaping of the subconscious? Okay, first of all, I do believe the karma is responsible. When I started my biological career, I was a scientist. And uh, as a scientist, uh, spirituality never came into our story. We, we were basing our study on molecules and genes and proteins, and but spirituality was never part of it. As I started to understand how cells work, I started to recognize the most important aspect. I completely revolutionized my life and changed everything about my planetary existence, and that was identity of who we are. As I said, it's associated with the conscious mind. But interestingly, the identity is built into the cells. And I said, what do you mean? I said, well, if, if you take your cells and put it into someone else's body, their immune system will say not self and eliminate those cells. And if somebody puts cells in your body, your immune system will say not self and eliminate the cells. So the very first thing is this. There's a self. <laughs> There's an identity that makes us unique in each way. And as I started to understand it, the identity was due to a set of little protein-like antennas, like uh, nano-television antennas on the surface of the cell. 
and no two people have the same set. They're called, interesting, self-receptors. And I go, well, what's the relevance? I say, well, if I take the self-receptors off of your cells, your cells are generic. There's no identity to them. And if I put somebody else's self-receptors on your cells, your immune system will reject it as not self. So here was the part that blew my mind. It said, wait a minute, the identity is being picked up by these receptors. I said, where is it coming from? Well, the receptors are on the outside surface of the cell. The point is the identity is something picked up in what we call the field around us. That is like, mm-hmm. The analogy is simple. The body is like a television set. And each body is tuned to a different station. I'm playing the Bruce show right now, and you have the Sister Jenna show. And I say, just like a television set, the program is not in the television. The program is a broadcast picked up by the television. And I go, well, what does that mean? I say, well, then what hit me the first minute I got this in my mind was, oh, my God. If you're watching a TV and the TV breaks, we say the TV is dead. But then the most important question is, well, yeah, the TV's not working, but is the broadcast still there? The answer, of course, right. the broadcast is still there because mm. you could get another TV and tune it to the station and it's back on again. So I'm going, the human body is analogous to the television set. The program that's playing through us is picked up by the antennas from an identity in the field. Now, in physics, we'd say the word field which represents invisible moving forces that influence the physical world. That's quantum physics. And then I go, wait, trusting, the definition of spirit is invisible moving forces that influence the physical world. And it's like, oh, my God, quantum physics is acknowledging the field, the invisible energy, as our source. And I'm going, this is exactly what spiritualists have been saying for thousands of years. And so Barbara Marks Hubbard had a physical television body, and that body is now not really working. And as a result, we don't see her. We say Barbara Marks Hubbard is dead, and I say, no, her television is dead. But Barbara mm-hmm. Marks Hubbard is here. She's in a field. Mm-hmm. Each one of us is like her. And so now finally I could come around to your point, and simply this. When <laughs> a baby is born, it's picking up in a field of identity. The identity is the spirit that we that we talk about. And so our history, uh, how many times we've come here to this planet as spirit, is influenced by our life. So we now right. know that our consciousness is translated by the brain into a vibrational energy field that is actually sent back to the outer world. In other words, I said you could read brain activity by putting wires on a person's head. That's called electroencephalograph. And the electrical activity of the brain is conducted to the skin like a wire, and that's how I can read it. But there's a new way of reading brain activity. It's called magnetoencephalograph. And I go, mm-hmm. well, what's the difference? And here's, here's profound. The probe that reads the brain activity does not touch the body. It's outside. It's just in consciousness awareness. It's not in the human awareness. It's at that deeper theta level of awareness, correct? Right. It's, out, it's a broadcast. So uh, every one of us uh, is receiving a broadcast, but as our brain responds to the world, we send a broadcast back out, which this probe can read. So I could read your brain activity outside of your body, which means that your thoughts are not contained in your head. Your thoughts are also sent back into the field. And this is where the karma story comes in. 
because, yes, I'm receiving an identity broadcast through my self-receptors, but my brain is breaking down my life experiences into electrical vibrations. That's what we read with the devices. Uh, and I say, but the, the vibrations are sent back into the field, which then alters or influences the original broadcast, influences our source. And so when we come in, as your question was, do we come in with something? I go, yes, you already have a history. Your broadcast already has a history. And when it comes right. in, it will influence who and what we are. Very interestingly, if you can talk to a young child somewhere between two and three, if you can get a conversation, sometimes you can say to ask the child, well, where were you before you were here? And actually, many young kids at this age can actually say they were here before. We yes, sort of yes, lose this. Yes. We lose this, and then the memory disappears, and as we get it older, does. three, four, five, we lost that we are more than this body. We are an energy field. And a very important word in physics uh, about the field, and this is, if we get it, it's like, oh, my God, because physics, quantum physics is the most valid, truthful science on this planet. There is no science with more truth in it. And quantum physics acknowledges this, the field, which is the invisible energy, which contains what we would call spirit. The field is the sole governing agency of the particle or matter or body. Mm. And so our life is not shaped by our body. It's more shaped by the energy field that we receive. I want to jump in here because I'm always very empathetic about some of our listeners who are on the fence of diving into what we're talking about. And if you happen to be joining in our conversation right now, I'm actually having a really profound conversation with the amazing Dr. Bruce Lipton, who is the best-selling author of The Biology of Belief. And uh, we're talking a lot of things, but we're talking about consciousness, we're talking about genetics, we're talking about behavior, we're talking about how our behavior has actually shaped the system. And we've also touched on the fact that we're in that sixth element, that sixth node, that sixth stage in which we're moving towards another another cycle of extension only to enter into a new one. And now one of the things that I, I want to tap into based on everything you've told me so far, Bruce, is when I break it down, because I know some of our listeners might be like, I'm trying to grab what he's saying because I know he's awesome. Um, would you say that what you have just basically described in, in essence, it's all about good vibes and bad vibes. And and what I mean to say is that, you know, we all are carrying a vibration, which is coming from the subconscious and the conscious, which is coming from, in general now, the soul. And whatever is recorded in the subconscious, that's sending a vibration. Now, sometimes we can choose our consciousness to conceal a vibration that's in our subconscious, and sometimes we just can't because the subconscious weighs in much more stronger at either a subtle or a gross level. So are you then saying that we really are walking vibrational instruments? Some of us are carrying a lot of good vibes. Some of us are struggling with amplifying the good vibes, which is more of a little bit of a mixture. And so if so, why is it that I know that for me, I can go in front of someone and I can pick up the vibe, but in order for me to transform that, if it was unpleasant, 
I apply enough of my own spiritual knowledge that I learn from Raj Yoga meditation. And I go, no, we're all on a journey. I have no power to judge anyone. Let me see where the pure vibration is in this person. So in essence, what you've just told me, are you really kind of revealing to us, hey, check your vibes. Are you in a good vibe state or are you in a bad vibe state? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you know, I love the simplicity of it because that's basically what it all comes down to. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the new physics, which takes us out of the old version of a body and a mind, mm-hmm. the new physics, quantum physics, is separate from the original physics like the Newtonian physics, we call it. Newtonian physics says that the universe is made out of two components, two realms, matter and energy, and has consistently tried to say that they're separate realms and they don't interact with each other. So if you are a body, that means you're a physical entity, and the only things that can affect you are physical things, and that's why the pharmaceutical company is there saying, well, if you have a problem with your physicality, we give you a physical drug and we can change it. That's Newtonian physics. The revolution in 1925 said, you know those things you call atoms, which are supposed to be the smallest physical units? When physicists started to look inside the atom, instead of finding physical matter, they found that uh, inside the atom was made out of energy, like nanotornadoes, vortex of energy. And so there wasn't anything physical. Uh, and then I said, well, wait a minute. I, I can see you. I can touch you. We're physical, the whole world. And I go, it turns out quantum physics recognizes this as an illusion. And it's illusion of consciousness. As I said, quantum physics, the most valid science of all, said that the universe is not a duality. The universe is a unity. Everything is energy. And, and when we come to understanding life, uh, there's a fundamental uh, understanding that is life is dependent on energy. If you have a lot of energy, you have some life. If you have no energy, you have little mm-hmm. life. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden it says, okay, as energy beings, and we're influencing uh, our lives by the energy around us, but we're also broadcasting an energy from our mind. See, so the mind is, as I said, is translating our experiences into an energy field, which we can read outside of the body as it goes back out in the field. And I say, so the relevance is this. The field is the sole governing agency of the particle or body. And then science will say, but the field comes from the mind. And then I could say, well, you can have a very positive thought, which is a high energy, or you can have a very negative thought, which is a low energy. High energy is called good vibes. Low energy is called bad vibes. And it's directly related to the character of our lives. And so it really is it's very important to understand the vibes. As a matter of fact, let's think about it this way. Mm-hmm. Take an organism like a snail. A snail is born from an egg. There are no parents. And so there's nobody to teach. How does a snail know where to go, what to eat, what to do? There's no school. I say... They have one gauge on their dashboard, so to speak, and it's an energy gauge. As they move out into the world, they read the gauge. They move toward when the energy gets higher because that means they have more life. But if they encounter an energy that's negative or taking away a bad vibe, the program is to turn around and go the other way because the idea is to keep your energy high. Positive mm, thoughts. Right. Positive thoughts are the are the high good vibes. Negative thoughts are the taking away of energy. Negative it, it disempowers us. 
So thoughts become important. Then I go back to the mind, and I go, yeah, the, the thoughts come from the mind, and then we separate it, and I say, well, there's two parts, the spiritual connection part, the conscious mind with wishes and desires of love and happiness and health. That's what the conscious mind offers, and the subconscious mind just offers us programs. Essentially, right. we download it from other people. Yeah. You talked on now a lot about thoughts, and as you and I both know, there are certain programs in our subconscious self, which we can call sanskaras, the deepest personality, the, per- the memory track within the soul. And there are times in which we want to change a recording, right? We can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even though we're carrying the recording maybe of a previous birth, which only compounds that subconscious recording. But we come to a point that events, situations, relationships, circumstances that emerge in our lives is quite unpleasant. And we hate the way that we're feeling. And we know that despite whatever is going on with the person or the event or the situation outside of us, we are in charge of the way that we wish to feel. But there are times that we use a thought like, you know, stay peaceful, stay loving, go beyond, go to your, your alpha wave. And even though we intellectually say, Bruce, have you noticed that it still doesn't click? You know, sometimes it just doesn't click. Sometimes we make an attempt to reprogram our limiting belief systems and we self-sabotage ourselves continuously. Any thoughts about that? What's the reason for us taking so long and allowing those thoughts to go in and shift this programming? The big issue we're dealing with is this. First of all, we agree we have these two minds, the conscious mind connected, spirituality, wishes, desires. Subconscious mind is program. And then I say, well, why don't I just operate my life with my conscious mind? Because that has everything I want. And then here comes the entire reason where the problem comes from, and that is this. The conscious mind indeed is creative and can help us find anything we want, Uh, happiness, joy, love, health. We We can get that. But then I say, here's the problem. The conscious mind, in addition to being creative, can think. (laughs) And I go, what does that mean? I say, a thought is on the inside. In other words, if I say, okay, tell me what you're doing on Monday. And if it's not right in front of you at this minute, I say, but you can think about it. I say, you go in your head and you say, thinking on Monday, what am I doing on Monday? And I say, the moment you did that, your conscious mind stopped paying attention to what was going on in the outside world because the conscious mind is going inside for thinking. So I say, well, wait a minute. Consider that, remember, we talked about the body. It's like a vehicle, and there's a a steering wheel that takes us wherever we want to go. And the conscious mind, when it's paying attention, has its hands on the wheel and takes us toward wishes and desires. But the moment the conscious mind has to think, it has to let go of the wheel because it's now going inside the head where thinking occurs. And I go, what does that mean? Who's driving at this moment? And here's the critical part. When the conscious mind lets go of the control, subconscious is autopilot. In other words, if I'm driving the car and I'm paying attention to driving, but all of a sudden I start thinking about, oh, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy this and I'm going to buy that. I say, well, at that moment, your conscious mind is not paying attention. Uh, Your conscious mind went inside thinking. I say, well, then who's driving the car? I go, Mm -hmm. subconscious 
subconscious knows habits. You know how to drive a car. Subconscious knows how to drive a car. As a computer processor, subconscious is a million times more powerful a processor than conscious mind. So driving a car with subconscious is actually better than driving it with conscious. But here's the point. The moment you are thinking, whatever behavior you're doing, whether it's a job, whether you're talking with somebody, whether you're driving the car, the moment you are thinking, conscious mind lets go, and all behavior is now automatically controlled by subconscious programs autopilot. And that's when I say, yes, psychologists tell us 70% of those programs are disempowering and self-sabotaging. We got them from other people. We didn't put those. They're not our wishes. They're just copies of other people's behavior. So now I say, well, what's the problem? The number of uh, percent of how much time we spend thinking, science has recognized 95% of the day our conscious mm-hmm. mind is engaged in thinking, which by definition means that 95% of the day Whatever behavior we're carrying out, it's not coming from the wishes and aspirations of the conscious mind. It's coming from the program. And then I say, but most of those programs are negative. And then I say, well, you would see if you were doing a negative thing. I say, that's the problem. When the conscious Mm. mind is focused on thinking, it's not paying attention. Uh, Sister Jenna Dears, let me tell you a story that I've told lectures 32 years. I have to use the same story (laughs) because it's the best one. And I say... At some point, you probably had a friend, and you knew your friend's behavior very well, and you happen to know your friend's parent. And so one day you see your friend has the same behavior as their parent, and you really want to acknowledge that. So you say something like, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. And I say, you back away from Bill. Because the moment you say that, Bill inevitably goes, I'm nothing like my dad. How can you compare me to my dad? The audience laughs, and I go, because they're familiar with it, and I say, Let me say why this is the most profound story at this moment, and it is this. Everyone else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. The only one who doesn't see it is Bill. I say, Mm -hmm. explain it. I go, sure. He downloaded the behavior in the first seven years of his dad because that's the program of how to respond. And he only plays that behavior when his conscious mind is busy. And I say, so that when the father's behavior is being expressed, Bill can't see it because the reason being expressed is because Bill's thinking. So Bill doesn't see what he's saying and what he's doing. And then all of a sudden it goes, but if the programs are negative, then Bill is sabotaging his life without him even seeing he's doing it. So we're mirrors for each other. And if we're honest, we can then make the change at a deeper subconscious level but if we're not able to be honest and we're we're still in our conscious, which I would call the ego self, then we're, it's going to take us a longer time to learn. Is that correct? Well, yeah, but I think here's the bigger problem, and let's be very helpful and very quick. And that is mm-hmm. this. We got programmed from the last trimester of pregnancy through age seven, which is the foundational programs to get us going. And I say, okay, tell me the program you got when you were zero. No, I don't know. Okay, well, how about when you were one? No, no, I don't know the program. Two, now I don't really know the program. So I'm saying basically the programs that are in our subconscious, we are not even aware of because they were installed before we were even conscious. So that I say, mm-hmm. well, then how would I know what my programs are because I wasn't there? So let's help people. And here it is. As I mentioned, science has revealed 95% of our life is coming from subconscious because that's the amount of time we spend thinking. And I say, so what's the result? And here it is. 
Our life is essentially a printout of our programs. That's what's creating our life. So then I say, well, then look at your life and recognize this. The things that you like and wish and desire for that come into your life, well, they come in because you have a program in the subconscious that acknowledges that. But here's the one I need people to understand. Anything we desire, but we have to struggle over it and sweat over it and work hard, and we're putting tremendous amount of effort to manifest these things. I said, why are we working so hard to manifest this? And the answer inevitably is the program in the subconscious was not supporting that destination. So all of a sudden I say, oh my God, I can, then I could see what my subconscious programs are if I'm looking for a relationship and I just struggle and struggle and never find the one. I say, oh, well, inevitably your programming of relationship does not support that. And all of a sudden I say, mm. oh, now I, I can see my programs wherever I put in effort and, it's, and I struggle. It's because not the universe doesn't want to give it to me. We can, we can get those things. It's our own invisible 95% of the day subconscious behavior that sabotages us and we don't see it. And that leads us to believe, oh my God, I'm a victim. I wanted success and it didn't happen. And then we look out and say, well, it wasn't me. I wanted the success, so it must be outside. Nature is not supporting me. God's not supporting me. Whatever it is, I'm a victim. And I go, oh my goodness. No, no. It was our own Mm. programming. Programming, and, and then, yeah. And now comes the, the more important question that we started on, and I went off in a circle to come back to this, is, yeah, but <laughs> what if I want to change the program? Ah! Right. Okay, now here's where the difficulty comes from. Conscious mind, the one connected to our spirituality, is the creative mind. It can learn in any number of ways. Listening to our conversation right now affects the conscious mind. Reading a self-help book, going to a lecture, or just even going, aha, and the conscious mind can change its foundation. But I say the subconscious mind is a habit mind. And when I emphasize habit, I say, what is a habit? It's consistent. It's behavior that stays the same. So the point about the subconscious, it creates these habits like walking. You know, I said I could be 100 years old. I'm still using the same program because habits resist change. Because if they changed all the time, they wouldn't be habits. So all of a sudden I say, oh, so my life is 95% coming from my habit mind. I want to change the habit because the programs aren't working right. And I say, well, how do you do it? I say, not the same way that the conscious creative mind learns. You have to do something special. You have to find that record button and push that button to change the subconscious. If you don't push the button, it's sort of like, uh, let's say there's a CD player with a CD and it's playing a program and you don't like the program. So I say, go up and Talk to the CD player and tell, hey, CD player, I don't like the program. Give me a different program. I say, how much talking to the CD player will it take to change the program? And the answer is it will never change, not until you push the record Mm. button. Yes, yes. Very quickly, there are three ways to push the, the record button. And the first two are the normal ways that the subconscious got a program. The first way was seven years of being in theta hypnosis. And I go, wow. So I have to go to hypnosis. I say, yeah, but you can do it on your own, self-hypnosis, because every night when we go to bed, the moment the conscious mind checks out for the day, the moment the conscious mind, the vibration in the brain of consciousness stops, uh, we're asleep. But the Mm -hmm. interesting fact is the moment, the instant we fall asleep, the brain is still operating, but at a lower vibration, theta. That's the hypnosis one. 
So if you put earphones on as you're going to bed with a program that you want to be true in your life, you might hear the beginning of the program while you're still awake, but the moment your consciousness falls asleep, you don't hear that program. But the subconscious is now working in theta. Well, that was hypnosis. So whatever's coming through the earphones is now not going into conscious mind. It's going into the subconscious mind. And by repeating this program every night for a number of nights, we can change the program. That's one way. Number two, uh, after A7, we still put new programs in, but it's not through hypnosis. It's through repetition and practice. If you want to play an instrument, I hand you the instrument. I say, play the instrument. You say, no, i got to practice. I say, well, so what does that mean? You practice every day. You're repeating and repeating. And guess what? There's a day where you can pick up the instrument and play it without practicing anymore. Why? Because mm. now it's a program. Uh, like the new age uh, terminology about this process, it's called fake it till you make it. <laughs> Meaning, <laughs> if you're not a happy person and your life is just an unhappiness, I say, then what would you do? And I say, every day, as many times as you can say it, just wherever you are, I go, I am happy. I am happy. You repeat yeah. it as many times. I say, what's the relevance? I say, repetition is going to put a program in that is, I am happy. I say, what will happen? I say, once that program is in, then 95% of the day is going to come from that program. You'll wake up one day and never have to say, I'm happy because you woke up happy because now the program is in. And then there's, by necessity, because uh, human civilization is causing the problem, we have to change behavior. Necessity is the mother of invention. There's a new type of psychology called energy psychology, which engages like a super learning experience, which allows us to download new programs into the subconscious in a relatively quick and short time. And so I really try to get people to understand that if you don't like the life you have, it's the program, not the outside that is causing the problem, it's the inside. And if you want to change the program, then there are three ways, hypnosis, self-hypnosis, repetition or habituation, and the third one, energy psychology, just to, to, because of the limitation of time, uh, I have a very easy website to get to, brucelipton.com. Under resources, I have 30 different versions or modalities of energy psychology that if people are real interested in trying to rapidly change their world, they could check these out and find one that appeals to them. But the point is necessary. Mm-hmm. It's time for us to wake up because we have been programmed to be victims, yet we are creators. And if we give the public the power of creation, we will have a much Mm -hmm. better world than the way it is today where only a a small number of people are determining what we're creating because we all feel we're victims. But if we were empowered, we can create it. Uh, Geez, I I really want to mention something. There's a movie called The Matrix, and most people have seen it, uh, and it's listed as science fiction. Uh, And it's a story about that people were programmed. And I go, well... The Matrix is really a documentary because all of us have been programmed. Uh, But the interesting part in the movie is that the individual is given a choice to take a red pill or a blue pill. Say, what's the difference? Well, if you take the blue pill, you wake up and you're back in the same world you have every day. Life is just the same as it is. But then they say, if you take the red pill, you get out of the program. And now here, I want people to hear something so exciting because I said, well, The Matrix is more like a documentary, and most of us at some point in our life, had taken the red pill and profoundly changed the world when we stopped playing the program. Uh, And 
and it's when we fall in love. Now, uh, do, does it have to be with another person? No. <laughs> you can fall in love uh, with God. You can fall in love with gardening. You can fall in love with a pet. Uh, but the idea is falling in love, it, when you're in that moment of love, science has recognized that we stay what is called mindful. And mindful means staying present. You stop thinking. And I say, well, what's the consequence of stop thinking? I say, oh, well, the moment you stop thinking, you stop playing the program. And then you start creating from conscious mind. So, for example, in, in my book called The Honeymoon Effect, I say your life could be blah, blah, blah every day, playing the stupid programs of limitation without you even seeing it. But one day, you, let's say you meet someone and you fall in love. And I go, in 24 hours, your blah, blah, programming. blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> turns into heaven on earth. <laughs> yeah. And I go, yes. well, what happened? And the answer was, the moment you stop playing the program, conscious creative mind with wishes and desires starts driving your vehicle. And the, in 24 hours from stopping the program, you manifest heaven on earth in a love and honeymoon experience. And I try to let people know, you know, that was there your whole life. <laughs> but mm. you, you were using the program and you couldn't get there because the program didn't support that destination. But the moment you stopped playing the program, heaven on earth was a manifestation. And I say, you know what? That was available to us every day. It was there all yeah. the time. It was there from the beginning. It's just that the programming we got took away our power over, over what we are creating in our life and put other people's programs in there, and then we start manifesting their programs, which don't answer our wishes and desires. Mm -hmm. and as a result, we're in trouble. So, yes. You know what? I'll have to tell you that I think everything that you've said up to this point has added a considerable amount of confirmation and validation in terms of the importance of meditation or just pausing, because now I really can see, you know, every day we get up at 3.30, 4 o'clock. Every day I do a 6 o'clock class. Every hour and hour I pause for something in our Brahma Kumaris tradition called traffic control. And what you've just done to me, even though I would pause every hour and hour for two minutes or three minutes, is that you've just confirmed for me, Bruce, that my reprogramming is happening on a day-to-day -day basis every time I just pause and go back into the original programming of divinity of the soul and connect to source. And I have to tell you that what you said in those final statements just touched me very deeply. Well, I so appreciate it because uh, you, you touch people, you touch me, uh, and it's interesting because what you're really trying to say is redirect your consciousness. And your yes. repetition, the, and that was the repetition part. You say, every day I do this. I go, that's yes. exactly how you can put new programs in by repetition. And the programs that you are manifesting are, are the liberating programs that help us undo the less than positive programs that we receive. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I'd love to have you back on because um, what I need to learn and remember with you is that we will always need about a four- to six-part series <laughs> of our conversations because they're, they can go on forever. But anyway, <laughs> any upcoming events that are close by that we can shout out for before we end our, our conversation? 
You know what? I'd be very happy if people tune into my website, BruceLipton.com, because everything that we've been talking about is available in different forms. There are uh, written articles, there are interviews, there are video programs, all freely downloadable. And uh, this is an opportunity to re-empower ourselves because uh, knowledge is power. Everyone goes, yeah. And I say, you know, but what people don't emphasize is the corollary, a lack of knowledge is a lack of power. And we have been deprived of the knowledge of who we really are. And our scientific world from 100 years ago took us away from spirituality and said, oh, we're just physical mechanisms and proteins and all that. And the new science of quantum physics says, yeah, your proteins are your physical experience, but that's shaped by the uh, energy in the field, the spirit and all that. And for a guy like me, who was a strict scientist and had no spirituality, and then all of a sudden learning uh, the spirituality from observing the cells I was studying, I have to tell you, I am like the happiest guy in the entire world because I, I went from non-spiritual, <laughs> non-spiritual to, oh my God, I am a spiritual entity. I am a piece of all that is. I'm a piece of the divine, and I'm a co-creator of my life experiences, but being unaware of the programming as interfering with my creation has created a world that we all are struggling with when we were all capable of having a honeymoon every day of our life for the rest of our life. Uh, and, right. and I'm experiencing that, and that's why I would love to talk with people to say, no, <laughs> we, we, we were not punished by coming here. The, the, the problem is we just have been programmed away from the divine and the joke to me and is that i think a lot of people of course say well if i have a great life and then i pass and transition i'm going to go to a place called heaven and from my perspective as a scientist and all that now understanding field and so-called spirit i have a different feeling about it i think that we were born into heaven that we came here to create because consciousness is an energy but in this realm the energy becomes physical and allows us to move and do things and create and experience and all the science oh my goodness when people fall in love and i said it doesn't have to be with another person you can fall in love with god or you can fall in mm-hmm. love with cooking i don't care yeah yeah love is love. love you're in harmony and when you're in harmony, you have energy. And when you have energy, you have life. And that's why I think we are here to experience in that. And it's a wake-up call for humanity because the programming that we have been provided with is actually causing our own demise. And the only way out is to recover our own power. And that's what I trust. If the public knew their own power, I think this planet would overnight turn into heaven on Earth. Absolutely. And that's what it will be. Dr. Bruce Lipton, thank you so very much. Many blessings and hope to see you in the nation's capital really soon. I so appreciate that opportunity to be with you again. It's so wonderful. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everyone. I know you must have um, enjoyed and you kept listening so intently to find out where you could pull, you know, a tool for you. And so this is a show you'll have to play back again and again and again to really, really get some of the tools to say, yes, I'm ready to change my belief system. I'm ready to change my vibration. I'm ready to get into the heart of my subconscious and make that move. And I can see why meditation is so important. You know what? If you're ever in the in in any any area around the world. Please, go.
go and check out the brahmakumaris.org. B-R-A-H-M-A-K-U-M-A-R-I-S.org. Why I'm saying that is I'm recognizing how their timetable really is helping what Dr. Bruce Lipton shared with us is to change that reprogramming. And if you do want information on Dr. Bruce Lipton, you got to go to his website. It's so simple, brucelipton.com for more information. And if you haven't read his book, The Biology of Belief, you're missing a lot. Okay, take good care. Hope you've enjoyed our conversation. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. So it might be a good thing, no? For us to begin to offer more love to the world. Here's Paul Leftenegger on Universal Love. Take care.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.